Welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we talk about scenic automation and other cool tech. I'm Cody Green. I'm Christian Bassey. I'm Harry Bogard. And I'm Mike Wade. Uh, it's good to have everybody back talking about cool stuff again. Uh, I think first up on our uh, our list is uh, Christian. You've been uh, continuing on the great VFD struggle. Yes. Of Part 2022. Two. Part, Part two, two of our uh, saga on uh, on trying to find drives. So I right. think last time we briefly mentioned that there'd be some new stuff because we were exploring the uh, KEB's S6 drive, which uh, right. a long, long time ago, early 2022, before the world fell apart, we were going to go EtherCAT for our stagehand VX system. 2020. Or was that That's, no? That was yep. Nope. You are correct. Yeah. That is what I meant to say. Early 2020, yeah. not 2022. Early 2020. Yeah. Before the world fell apart, we were going. I was like, what do you know that I don't? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna get worse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, way back then, long time ago, we were going EtherCAT, and we were trying to decide on a new drive, and you know, trying to optimize costs, and you know how many backoff slices we needed to do the thing versus what the drive had to offer and trying to combine all those things. And we settled on, or we found, and we really liked the KEB S6, which has a ton of things to offer for a pretty good price. Um, but so it's a native EtherCAT drive, two encoders in, you know, bunch of IO, right. which was great for EtherCAT. The two encoders in was was the thing. That, that was like, the big one. Made it the the EtherCAT choice because like yeah. once we like you're like oh we get to kill a slice out of our I/O stack for and one of the expensive and... I/O stack I/O ones yeah. too. Like yeah, it was it was a great find. Yeah. You know, it was uh, and again this was a while ago, but it was like three hundred dollars cheaper I think than all the other options going uh, right. going with the S six drive, but. But anyway, then we had a minute to Ethercat reflect died. on it, and we decided EtherCAT, <laughs> not really right for what we're trying to do. So we just had, uh, we have three of them here in the shop. Cody, you have one in your apartment, and then we just all put them on the shelf and kind of totally forgot about them until a couple of weeks ago. We were like, we can't get Mitsubishi drives right now. They are, we have a bunch on order. We just can't find, they just can't get them in. And, uh, what about this EtherCAT drive? Can we use it with our current stagehand? And turns out, our, to our surprise, totally. Uh, KEB actually came to our shop, and uh, one of their application engineers came and sat with us for two days, and we got it working, and the motion looked awesome. Like it was Yeah, I saw some of the videos. Great. It looked... Yeah, the brake timing looked fantastic. The, like servo hold on like just yeah you know, start yeah. of motion all of that seemed like just buttery smooth like yeah which was one of the reasons we also loved it when we were doing the ethercat stuff is like it has some it has some good motion really yeah. good motion but the big question was will this work with our current stagehand design where it is just an analog signal no fancy ethercat field bus communication and it's an EtherCAT native drive, which is unusual or, you know, not necessarily unusual, but very specific. So it doesn't have some of the other functionality. 
that you would need to do non-Ethercat. But turns right. out this drive did. And within a couple of hours, which is also shocking in and of itself, but <laughs> within a couple hours, the KB application engineer was able to have the drive working with our Stachian card, which we've tried that with a couple other manufacturers, and that has not been the case. No, no. <laughs> it was. <laughs> There's heaps of other drives that have had the same shootout. And yeah. And it, then it stopped. <laughs> and it, it, yes. And they were never able to make it work for us. Um, so we got really excited about that because, you know, at the time it was like, oh, and they're available. Um, and then they came to our shop, got it working, but it turns out they, uh, all of that had uh, slipped a little. So the drive ended up not being as cheap as we were hoping, being, you know, four-ish hundred dollars more than we were hoping it was going to be. And then the for the specific size we were looking at of drive, um, they ended up, the, the stock of that was much lower than we were hoping as well, because mm -hmm. we were looking for the s14 size we had what we were originally planning was we we're going to put these into our rental stock because then we could you know totally have the drive configured and be perfect to work for whatever the job was going to be and we're going to send them out on rentals right and then take some of our existing 800s and push them into production yeah yeah, yeah. but because and the reason for that being is there's no mod bus which is how we you, which is how the stagehand card talks to the to the VFD, and these drives don't have Modbus, so there would be no right. drive communication. Which again, we're going to put them in rentals, have it totally configured, you know, set up as a package that we would send out, so the the end user would never have to do that. Um, right. But that was the other big. So we wouldn't be able to put these into, you know, retail retail stagehands. Right. Right. It's not like a slam dunk one-to-one, -one, the drive that we'll want to use forever. I mean, purely from that, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the current card. Ex sure. Yeah. There's more breadcrumbs you know, moving, there. Moving forward <laughs> on the VNX, there's the possibility. Yeah. We can. Because right. the drive natively supports can. Say can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it all comes back to can, doesn't it? Yeah, it always <laughs> comes back to can. It's always can. Can will always solve the problem, but you'll never be able to use can <laughs> unless you buy a showstopper for. That's all can. That's um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we were hoping this was going to be a slam dunk because we're going to be able to get them. They were going to be at a decent enough price, and you know they were going to work. And two of those are true. Um, <laughs> so the the S fourteen not great stock, right? Which was sad. Yeah. Sad to find out. Because <laughs> right the, from the the jump, it was like, oh yeah, we got heaps of them, and they're going to be. We thought cheaper, more minimally comparable. Yep. Yeah. And so it would make it worth the like case modifications and the reinstallations and the you know testing and all the. Yeah. All the heartache of switching VFDs. Revalidating, make sure it all works. You know, not right. to crash. All that. Yeah, learning a whole new set of parameters. Jeez. Learning all the new parameters. Learning a new configuration software. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that we'd have to have some amount. You know, some amount of them sitting on the shelf, ready for 
Rada's at Mike for when they answer the phone, because surely that would not be straightforward. <laughs> it's going to be different. But the other thing, too, is, though, with no DriveCom and no face key plate, it's not really drive parameters anybody else could update. So they have to go out correctly. Right. But when they aren't. <laughs> it's a different story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Somebody's getting on a plane. Uh, With a fancy cable. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Which, uh, never mind. Two in the weeds. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is that the fancy cable that... Isn't that... I'm trying to remember now. You have Didn't the we, fancy like, cable. find some Amazon equivalent? I don't remember. I remember there being fancy cables. And we we own one of the fancy cables, and mm. you took it with you to New York. And I have a pile of 10, not exaggeration, I have 10 different uh, serial adapters, and none of them work. Right, because that's what we were running into, was like I couldn't get any of the serial adapters that I yeah. bought to yeah. work. Yeah. And you're like, what's wrong with you, Cody? This just works on my computer. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It turns out it's that magic adapter. Yeah. I crack it open, but then we kill the one we have. The one magic <laughs> adapter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so sure probably better not to do that. Sneaking up on us. Actually, I think it's a. Uh, there, there's like a pin swap. I think that has to happen. Mm. That we weren't doing because they're just regular adapters, serial adapters. So we weren't doing that. I think that's what it comes down to after talking mm. to their uh, application engineer. Is it's uh, oh. there's hope for us there's still. Hope. Yeah, we're also ordering mm. more of the fancy adapters, but right, because there is still hope that we are going to be able to use the S6 drive in our at least currently in our rental fleet. But then you know, moving to StageHand V next, maybe we switch to this drive. Because another benefit is its size and its mounting orientation. Like, you could get it down to, like, well, even smaller than your current smallest design, Cody, because you can mount it sideways. Sure. Yeah, but I, well, I don't know. I mean, it is the current limiting factor for the stagehand height in the E800 version of the new stagehand isn't. Card Isn't and circuit drive. breaker. Yeah, it's card and circuit breaker and face panel and you know all the front layout. So you know we'd have to make some concessions on probably. I mean, the most logical thing would be where circuit breakers are. Put them on the side. <laughs> I would go to the back first, but yeah, you could do a pass through <laughs> hole where you have to poke yeah. a rod in to reset the circuit. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll go acrylic on the front with a pokey hole. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> or good. or we'll it. just have to customize all of our racks. So that there's an opening on the side. On the yeah. side. yeah. 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 What's that for? You'll find out. <laughs> What's that sawzall for? Oh, it's just Mike doing loading. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just making some axes hold. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it's a cool. super cool drive. We're still super excited about it with, you know, we're still looking to be able to make it work, but it wasn't the slam dunk we were hoping for. In yeah. the current yeah. can't get drive climate. Right. It is still a cool drive. It is just not our amazing right now thing. Yeah. Yeah. And in theory, we have some 
Mitsubishi's coming, right? Yeah, supposedly. Fingers crossed. Supposedly in a couple of weeks we should see some, but yeah. in a couple of weeks we'll know if that's true or not. <laughs> right. But other than this cool KB stuff drives, I think Harry and, and Mike too, you've been working on something actually tangible, something people are actually going to be able to get their hands on. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, we've been working on the, the pivot and the turntable, um, which I'm sure if you've been listening to this podcast, you're not familiar, you're not unfamiliar <laughs> with the woes of turntables and the oh, dulcet sounds of Mike Wade's voice trying to <laughs> solve his problems. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> they're, they're flawless. They're perfect every time. Every time. <laughs> we have no issues to report None. from the front. No, no tears. But in the event you were to have some issues <laughs> with a turntable, um, hopefully, hopefully these these new uh, these new items could help. We got a we got a new product, and we have a design that uh, that will be available for free um, for a turntable. Um, but first, we we're going to talk about the the pivot, which is the turntable center. Um, so this kind of you know spawned out of all these complaints of turntable woes that we were getting from on the support line. Um, but then also kind of the product summit that we had at the beginning of the year to talk about like priorities for things we wanted to develop for new products. Um, and I think, you know, where we landed in discussion about turntables was we probably can't economically make the whole turntable, but we definitely could make a really solid center for a turntable, which seems to be one of the issues that our customers have the biggest challenges with just having a solid center to that's turns out that's pretty important right yeah 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 um and you're definitely gonna want to make sure you attach it to the ground um (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) which even we forget sometimes um like the first time we put this turntable together um (laughs) but it happens it's easy that's the way you wanted it to move right yeah we want to mostly spin yeah not oh yeah it's not it's not supposed to track that 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 was a bonus feature. Yeah, it, yeah, like the pivot's pretty badass because it is it's that stout center, and, and that's great because that people have struggles with that. But then yeah. the other problem, the other most prevalent problem that we have with turntables, with people's turntables, is encoding. No way. Yeah, and this absolutely that not. Too, yeah, it is perfect every time because <laughs> <laughs> it's center encoded, right? Yeah, yeah. So hope. Hopefully we're hopefully we're going to solve a lot of those issues that people have had with the TR3's dancer wheel on the outside of turntables and uneven edges and getting slippage in their positioning. So what we've gone using the same encoder, um, we've provided a mount for that on the pivot, um, and then there's a big 360 tooth spur gear that's cut and a tiny pinion that goes onto the encoder. Um, so you get a pretty good gearing ratio there, and then combined with the 5000 PPR of that encoder, you get pretty good resolute positioning. Um, so you get 400,000 counts for each revolution of your turntable, which works out to a nice, round, nice, easy to remember number uh, per degree. It's 1,111.1 repeating. Um, and that's your degree position scale, regardless of uh, the diameter of your turntable, which hopefully is great because now, you know, you can avoid a lot of challenges with having to scale your position and find out what that is for your specific circumference of turntable that, you know, may, yeah, sure, you said it was going to be 26 feet, 
in diameter, but like it's actually 26 and 3 16 and like <laughs> that'll start to matter if you're trying to line a floor up. But this is this is you know geared, so it can't slip really. You'll no longer have to do the thing where you have to run the turntable 20 times in the clockwise direction to get the position scale. Well, it's 20 I mean, times can... it's 20 times clockwise and then 10 times counterclockwise and then divide uh... it. And yeah, that's the only way you're going to get it to work. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can still do that if you just want to like, you know, work the rate, but like for funsies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I really cool. think it's it's super it's super cool and I mean that like Harry, you spent a bunch of time finding all the parts and getting pieces together and kind of like boiling the pivot design down to to what it needs to be, right? Like it's some aluminum and a big giant slew bearing and and then you can pop on you can pop on an encoder that already that's already sitting on the revolver. This is not even a right. new one. Right. Trying to use what, what you probably already have if you have a revolver. Um and and trying to keep it, yeah, like affordable for for you know a, a reasonable price point. So I think it's it's gonna go for five k, and it's you know it's giving you a pretty good bang for your buck in terms of its stout aluminum construction with that steel slewing ring. So it can take many many times x the force that you're gonna have to get from you know the thrust of the revolver. Um, it's got plenty of mounting holes and lifting apparatus on the corners um and then you can also add a slip ring there's an option to do that as well um, if you want to transmit power through the center um and uh yeah i think i think hopefully it uh, solves a lot of those center bearing and encoding issues um and then kind of going along with the pivot um you know we, our concession of like we're we're not going to make turntables but i think you know in good good conscience we can't just leave our customers being like well here's their machine that turns the turntable and here's the center of it well like what goes in between so worked up a design for a sort of template uh frameless turntable design um that you can download off of the website our website will be link will be live i guess by the time this gets posted um and that's for free and that's just a 20 foot turntable um frameless wheels up um runs about 7200 in parts and it's all stove bolts and t-nuts that you know laminate two layers of three-quarter ply lids together um so hopefully it's all something you know if you have a vendor or a cnc router yourself um you know you can cut up these parts and assemble it pretty easily and hopefully have a you know a successful nice round turntable um that's not terribly expensive or difficult to put together um and so we made one of those and uh, I don't know. Yeah, what would you would you think playing around with it, Mike? Because you kind of came up to the shop and worked with the turntable a little bit while we had it assembled. Yeah, man, I thought it was great. I mean, you know, the parts all it all went together really well. It all was plywood, which is super cool to you know just for like ease of putting together and cutting out and um, and you know, and it stores on a pallet, like one pallet worth of plywood. Mm-hmm for the whole thing yeah it's not like a you know seven carts full of decks and a bunch of other shit um i thought it was really good i thought you know it was a little squishy in some places but i you know i don't know how much of that was potentially the plywood that we chose or you know or just that it's a frameless turntable and they're going to be a little squishy um but it ran great 
I mean, you guys had 2,000 pounds on it, right? And then I put 2,000 more pounds on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. so we're spinning the thing around it, you know, with almost 4,000 pounds on it. And it worked pretty decently. Um, it did. You know, yeah. Yeah. Now that we didn't have our notes, you know, we were like, okay, well, you know, we'll add some, add some wheels there. If you're really loading this thing up, you probably want that third layer of plywood. But nothing that was hard to be like oh yeah just, let's just do that and you know you can you can add those wheels or you cannot but uh, then you got an option that you can put some probably wheel some pretty heavy duty stuff just don't get really void filled birch ply because that was that was not the move get something with like a span rating get something get something flat but strong yeah yeah, but you know, I mean, uh, yeah, but I think it's you know, it was a good, it was a good moment of you know looking and seeing what it was, right? Because that kind of, kind of played out. Um, what else did we do? Oh, we stuffed on um, because I because I couldn't leave well enough alone. I wanted to put some edge banding on the outside edge to see if it improved anything, if it improved the squishiness, and all of this came around before I was at the shop and saw it. Um, and as it, I, it didn't do anything. Like we had Breezy stood there with me, with me and my ballast standing right on the edge between a couple of wheels and got the turntable to, I don't know, it deflected like a quarter of an inch or so. It'd be just a hair more than that with the aluminum on it. And then we took the aluminum off and it deflected about a quarter of an inch, maybe a hair more. So, um, so it didn't actually seem to do very much on that, like with the build up on the outside edge, maybe the wheels, I don't know. It was, it seemed all right. Um, and you know, and it was, it was a funny time. This was the first time that I've had the opportunity just to like mess around with the turntable, not, you haven't had to make it work. Yeah. Not in in an hour. (laughs) Like most often I show up in the middle of tech when something isn't working and it's a fucking disaster. And And so we just had some time and it was great for like a day and a half. You know, it was like, put more weight on it. Try something different. Let's put a different wheel on there. What, you know, um, let's overspeed it and see what the fuck happens. Um, It was, it was pretty awesome. And we got that thing screaming, right? It was like 34 degrees a second. It's it's fast on a 20 foot (laughs) diameter. It was quick. <laughs> yeah, because you can easily overspeed it now in SpikeMark with the new DriveCom. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was it so great. it's so easy to overspeed. Oh, it's yes. dangerous how easy it is. Yeah, it's easy to overspeed, and you know, so we can't we can't take a drive that doesn't have Modbus right now. But um, but it was great to you know be able to mess around, check it out, kind of like see some of the challenges that you know that we've seen in the heat of the moment, but not really had the opportunity to to kind of like you know wonder about and then try and figure out how to fix so it's cool i really appreciate the moment when we start overspeeding it and there's like one portion of the, one quadrant of the turntable was kind of under the gantry and he's like wait wait and then he like brings over the gantry thing picks up the push stick that's like on the edge of the table it's like 90 <laughs> so he's like that thing was about to go <laughs> it's like oh yeah i guess that would have been bad It'll certainly go on a position fault <laughs> <laughs> Just lightening the turntable. Yeah, yeah. Injecting load by centripetal force. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, Harry, you did you did all almost all the work on the you did all the design work, I think, on the 
on both these pieces and it's awesome. And it really shows, I think, you know, it's, um, spent some good time thinking about things and making things happen and, you know, doing the paperwork. And I mean, you know, the CAD files and CNC cut files and bill of materials and all that stuff for this turntable. I'll be there for the taking. Yeah. Yeah. So go, go get them and let me know if you're missing anything. I'll, I'll certainly spit it out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, hopefully people, hopefully people like that and we, you know, we can make them, which is cool because they're like parts we can get. So, so yeah. If you, yeah. That's you really know, awesome right now. That's right. really exciting. Can't get, drives, <laughs> can't get motors, but we can make you a pivot. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, yeah. You can download the turntable files. Coming to our Shopify soon. Next week or the following week? No, it's Thursday. It'll be out by this, right? By the yeah, time yeah. this, this Thursday. Yeah, the, I think most of the website stuff's already all done. The video for it that's looking pretty good. Oh, nice. Yeah, the renderings look pretty sweet. Nice renderings. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> My only contribution <laughs> on this one. You did the first pivot. That was that was that was the form. That's yeah. It's just riffing on the form. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that was that art spinner thing, right? Oh no, I was talking oh, no. about the the Michigan Opera pivot. Oh yeah, yeah that's oh. right. A quick turn and burn pivot that we did. That yeah, didn't use like didn't use the TR three encoder. Used a chain and a sprocket instead of the pinion. And yeah, it was much more complicated. <laughs> but I think I think it was useful to just like see make one. And then be like, oh, these are the things that are important to us. And these yeah. are things that, no, I mean, probably not. Maybe not. Um, if it if it works out with the money. Because I think that was also another really important thing, right? Was the, it needed to be able to sell for the. 5K, yeah. 5K? It was like, it was like, here's the price. Now let's see what we can do in that, which is an interesting. What's the, what is the important we, things? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, what, what features can we get in that? And you're like, what are the most important ones? Let's start with those. And then it's like, if there's anything else, yeah, great. But don't sweat it if not, which is, yeah, which is not usually how we approach designing things. Uh, you make like a cool thing and go, do you think someone will buy that? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. And then all of us in the shop are like, yeah, somebody will buy that. And Pete's like, no, they're not going to buy that. Like, oh, not again. But besides turntables is the stuff I've been doing, which is the... Uh, the, uh, the new stagehand coming out later this year. Uh, so we're moving away, as we've talked about before, moving away from using the uh, LM629, 628, 629, because the big feature we're looking to gain is split A cell, D cell. So the two main options we were exploring were uh, going to a PLC with a motion controller in it, in the PLC, um, more industrial device, uh, and... The other option being uh, similar to what we do now, where we find another mush control IC and developing our own board around that. So past couple months, we were doing a bunch of tests. We were using a, a PLC, got that spinning with a motor, got that working. You know That happened pretty quickly because that's the exact thing that was designed to do. And then we also compared that uh, to the PMD's dedicated motion control IC, which would be the more traditional way of how we have been doing things, where it's an IC, 
on a circuit board that we've designed that we have full control over and for that reason ultimately we decided that was the right way to go so stagehand v next will be using the pmd motion controller on a dedicated stagehand card we'll be drop-in replacement so you can upgrade your old pros to the new card and you'll be able to get split a cell d cell so we just so we decided on that a couple weeks ago and then we really started in earnest on developing the the new stage hand and one a couple of the things we've been working on are uh, a new and improved uh, load cell uh, analog to digital converter one that is specifically designed to do 4 to 20 milliamp signals so we're going to get better resolution out of load cells and also the calibration is going to be a lot simpler and then we're also looking at um, a new screen so instead of using the the screen that we currently have on the on the stagehands which is just a character a two-line character display we're switching to a graphic uh, oled meaning we can kind of display anything we want to and and cody i've been bugging you a bunch about this because i can yeah. make it do the thing but i don't know what the thing should be right yeah i know yeah it's pretty cool um we were pretty tied to the like the two lines and the, the size of the the characters so on the 16 characters two lines at 16 characters i think that sounds right um on all the cart you know all the day chance till now um and this this one has a lot more flexibility I think which is cool, especially as the the functionality has grown on the stagehand. You know, we just kind of keep like any status that happens now. You just kind of flashes Cycles and like ticker. And, yeah, yeah. Hope you see just it. Just kind Hope of you. yeah, yeah. And then especially you know some statuses once they're triggered, they trigger other problems downstream. Right. So like emergency stop, stop for instance. Yeah, yeah. like drive fault, break fault. Yeah, you're like getting all of these faults kind of just cycling. You're like, which is the thing? What 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 is the thing? Um, what is so, causing this to not work? Right. So we're we're kind of hoping with this one that with the it's slightly larger too. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's so, bigger. It's thinner. It's in way thinner. case design. But which I don't think really matters to anybody other than us, but than us, yeah. <laughs> but it is thinner, uh, also. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's some more real estate, and it has more capability, so we can get like you know potential for. It's still somewhat small and simple, but like small icons for like either flags for like you know forward, reverse, or on, off, or you know, yeah. There's still some development there in that neighborhood. And but I yeah, think that's the interesting thing, right? Is it's no longer just text. We can make shapes. We can make icons. Right. Um, yeah. And I think you had it up to like five rows. Yeah. I think we have about five lines right now. Yeah. Um, just doing like mostly text and some uh, horizontal dividers. Yeah. Five lines-ish because we have, uh, it's a 256 pixels wide by 64 pixels tall. So that gives mm -hmm. us a lot of room to display stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, so I think it, it, I think it's going to be exciting to get some more of those things rolled in and less, you know, flashing rolling on the screen. Um, but then also, like, making sure that we still keep some of that simplicity, that it just doesn't become, like, gobbledygook, like, yeah. 1980s, like, you know, <laughs> OLED rolling, <laughs> like, just... Um, well, I guess it wasn't OLED back then, but, you know. But that characters. idea of... <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I think I'd also uh, brought up an interesting point because we, I don't know, we had a conversation about it like a week ago or something, but it's like, so we're trying to display icons, uh, quote unquote icons to to inform you about, you know, if a forward limit is tripped or not. And we were trying to come up right. like, well, what does that design language look like, right? Is it a filled in icon? Is it a not filled in icon? Um, yeah. What yeah, is which? Which is faulted and which is yes. Not. <laughs> yeah, because at the moment we're using, um, which is similar to how we do it in SpikeMark too, with triangles, right, for forward and reverse. But the idea of, well, does a filled-in triangle mean the limit is tripped, or does an empty triangle mean the limit is tripped? Because we have those options now. Go <laughs> right. Display of. So it's now trying to figure out, like, well, what makes yeah. sense? Yeah, the hot. Yeah, I mean, I think the hot take that we found is like, oh, it's completely ambiguous. Uh, <laughs> right, because you in. thought of so it one we, way, and I thought of it of the opposite way. Yeah, the limit like, does okay, not cool. exist. So, so we probably, yeah, it probably has to have some change of shape. Is my imagine? Is my um? Mm. Mm-hmm. Is, is this probably either an arrow or like an X or you know something? Uh, something less ambiguous. Something very, very clear. Like, oh, look, that one's... <laughs> that's the one. That's the bad one. This is now different. Yeah. Um, because that is very obvious on the current stage hand card. Like, when you hit a limit, it plops up. And there's no... You know, yeah. you might have to wait for it to come back around, but it's very clear. And it's going to come back around and you will not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then the other thing, too, is just like, trying to decide, you know, cause there's still quite a, quite a few air, like, uh, air states, especially now with load cells, like underweight, overweight, and we have all the interlock states and like external fault and cross you know, groove, cross groove, ultimate you know, limits. ultimate limits. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's still dry fault, break fault. Yeah. All the things that could still happen. And like, what is the important thing to have like, a a dedicated space that's always on that screen, like with a flag that's yeah. changing shape or color, or you know, that you can color, always but, you know, shape yep. that you're yep. always seeing versus, you know, when can we make some of that stuff fall away so that the other things still are, you know, seem important and and come forward to the user. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a cool it's a cool problem to have because it's like functionality we haven't had yet. <laughs> yeah. And it just opens us up to so much more possibility for making these things clearer. Cause like you were right. Like you were saying is you're going to always be able to see some of these faults. Now you're not going to have to wait for it to scroll by. Right. Limits is the one I'm probably the most excited about because mm-hmm. like, especially as you're, you know, setting limits and you're jogging and you're like messing with them. Like, mm-hmm waiting for the roll, like, you know, the roll of it and like coming on and off and like being able to like 
twist the screwdriver and watch the light go out, you know, like I think yeah, without waiting for the pop-up, I think it's going to be like a much more clear thing. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think limits is pretty exciting. Um the uh the encoder, the, like the HMI jog encoder, that's going to be a lot better too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Going about it a different way now. It's going to be it's going to be better. Everybody's going to love it. Everyone's going to love it. Yeah. Is it so it's still just going to be raw counts? Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. But so like when you go to jog it, like it, especially on like the Pro 4 one where you know it's like you got to do you have to spin the encoder just right to get it to jog the way you want it to jog. The on the V next one. Mhm. V next type 2022. Uh it's a it's a lot smoother. You're going to see a lot of improvement there. You're going to be able to jog much better. Oh, so the jog, you're talking about the jogging. I was thinking, I was still in UI land of thinking about oh, um, yeah, the yeah, readout. Yeah. I was like, I mean, that'll be sorry. better too. Because <laughs> yeah. that's also smoother now as well. But right. But then also the, like, the physical act of jogging. Oh, nice. Because like across, like, I guess now, you know, since 2020 to now, like there was the one big jump from uh in the jog not that big jump different big jump uh when we added the fast status oh okay Mm -hmm. like that got better then Mm -hmm. and then you're saying even better keep it going yeah even better now nice you're gonna want this upgrade (laughs) yeah which I mean, I mean, going back to your earlier comments about when we were talking about PLC versus you know dedicated motion controller, like mm-hmm. this is the re- I mean, this is the exciting thing is you know it it should be a stab in you know pull some well yeah I think we'll probably do it but you know you will be able to get it into older stagehand cards you know yeah I mean without committing to it I think at the moment you're gonna uh, really the big thing is gonna be like. Uh, the screen is a little bigger, so it's a new mm. faceplate. So I, but the connectorization on the staging card itself is going to be identical all the way back to the Pro Three. So if you have a Pro Three, be really easy to upgrade it to the new, uh, to the new staging card. Yeah, it's 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 also uh, it put that in the exciting camp. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, feature set. And as I'm developing it right now, like each day, it's more and more exciting because it's coming more and more true. It's like, oh, and now you can do this. Oh, and now you can do this. Right. And actually, kind of along those same lines. So adding more and more. And it's like we uh, we ran into a little bit of a little hiccup where uh, we, we ended up running out of uh, RAM on our microcontroller. Right, right. Which was a little unfortunate at the time. Yeah, it was doing lots, lots of cool things. In fact, we were adding cool all these all cool things. Yeah, <laughs> and it, uh, it, it became unhappy. So we were u- originally using an embed. We're still using an embed, but the original embed we were using was the same one we use in all of our Showstopper devices. So the, the Showstopper Four Base. For hub, for consulate, for remote, and it's one we've been using for 
we were using all the way back when the Showstopper 3 console came out. Been using it since then. And right. It's a it's a it's a great microprocessor. But we uh we ran into its uh, RAM limitations as we were developing the new uh the new stagehand with all these new awesome features that you're really, really gonna want. And uh <laughs> uh <laughs> and so it was a, a little deflating in the moment where it's like, you know, we're doing all this really cool development work, all these new cool features we're implementing, and it's becoming awesomer and awesomer. And then kind of this. And then you total... hit the ceiling. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, then there's, no... and it's nothing you can do about it because it's like, right. this is what is built in to that microprocessor. There, there's no way around it. So, you know, I, it was like a, Tuesday night or whatever, and I went to Gareth. I was like, "Yeah, I think we're running into an issue." And then, like, I did a bunch of reading and stuff that night, and came in, did some more testing Wednesday, and then Wednesday night, I was like, "Yeah," and I'm even less confident now <laughs> that this is gonna work. And uh, so we're like, "Okay, what are our other options?" And at this point, we still really, really liked. And we still do really like the idea of using an ARM Cortex processor um, where it's you know very much designed to be turned on off, run a dedicated dedicated thing like this. Right. Um, it's very familiar to the way we're currently doing everything. It's right. It's how we do the current stagehand, just using a different microprocessor. It's how we do the consulate. It's how we do the base. It's it's how we do things is using right. a microprocessor. Yeah, because it's like smart enough to do the things we wanted to, but not so smart that it's like running hassles. Like so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to like a boot up and a shutdown and like cycling. You know, it's it's, yes, it's on or off, and it just handles that, right? It's it's not running an operating operating system. It's not running Windows. It's not running Linux. It's right. We got rid of EtherCAT. We don't want to go back to PCs (laughs) and all the stagehands, right? Yeah, (laughs) and even just with our. Uh, with the pendant, which is running an operating system, right? Because it is running a Linux, uh, a Linux distro. It's like, right. and that takes time to boot up, and there's all these extra considerations that we have to take. You know, designing the hardware, we have to take before it can turn off, right? So you don't just kill the RAM, kill the flash, right? Kill the image, right? And and that's yeah. not what we wanted for this for the stage for hand. the stagehand yeah so but we also using this the lpc 1768 we ran out of ram so it was like okay what are we going to do now so looking around um we kind of came to two options first option was switching to a uh, beagle bone black which is similar to a Raspberry Pi, which we run in the pendant, which has a real-time operating system, which runs Linux, which has all those problems we were just talking about that we don't really want. And right, but like it certainly could do it. It hundred percent could do it. It is designed to, to be do. able to do those things. Yes, absolutely. And you have some benefit of you know it's running. Well, Linux, you can kind of just install anything, and it's just there. You you have it, um, right? Web servers and FTP servers and anything else. 
you know, just apt-get install kind of a thing. It's there. Um, but has those downsides of there's all that boot time, there's the shutdown considerations and all that. Yeah. So there's that option, and the BeagleBone is in very easy to get. There's thousands of them that exist out in the world at the moment. But Which that's saying something because that is there are, that is absolutely us, saying that, there are not a lot of things in that in that category. Exactly. I don't know that you could uh, have any of the other components we would use that you could say there's thousands of them out there that exist <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Uh, maybe zip ties. Uh, that's about <laughs> it. Plenty of those. Uh, we got zip ties. Plenty of those. Because also, you know, zip ties, okay, I'll use a four inch or a six inch or an eight inch or 12. It doesn't matter. It's a zip tie. Yeah. Uh, but there's thousands of beagle bones out there, which is significant right now as we're developing the next thing. Like, right. What can we, don't we get today? Put all our, you know, efforts into developing something with a pretty substantial development back end yeah just to have to tell you guys about the great microprocessor struggle of 2023 <laughs> right which not to divert a little bit but it's kind of the thing we're experiencing with the pendant at the moment is right we we, we can't get those the raspberry pies which run the pendant at the moment we have this awesome right. new design yeah it is it is a little sad because you know i think christian you and i worked on it the most uh in the design phase uh and we're both very excited about it and we both really like the new pendant and we just literally can't awesome right now (laughs) yeah besides wanting this new stage hand you're really gonna want the new pendant the new pendant is also badass yeah oh my god it's Uh, awesome raspberry pies are and when you is there one built at the shop um fully fully? yes well no not fully fully so we have the we have the silk screen you saw those, the faceplates that came in? I saw a picture, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we haven't put that on the, the body yet. Mm. Um, But we also, uh, Breezy's doing a run of the bodies, like 12 of them or something. Right. Um, that yeah. he's intermit- intermittently uh, running, doing those. But So we can send them off. Got a new Pelican for those. So we can send them off I to saw. Canada's. Yeah. I heard about a very elaborate process of foam and pelicans to send out for like <laughs> bead blasting and anodizing, oh um, which is yeah. awesome. I mean, from the dude that likes cool stuff and doesn't yeah. have to watch the dollars that closely, uh, <laughs> I think it's awesome. And you go down to a single cable, like you, you, right. it's not accessory and Ethernet. It's now a single cable, like. When we can build them, they're going to be really great. Yeah. But anyway, back to the V next, stage in V next. Uh, (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. Brief aside Uh, about raspberry pie shortages. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think that it, but that it very much illustrates the point of like, well, we don't want to design this new fundamental piece in our lineup, right? Our control, the thing, everything has to use around something we can't get today. Um, and the beagle bone very much fills that that void because you can get thousands of them. There are thousands out there. Because the other option that we were looking into 
is the is the Freedom Board, the F64K embed by uh, NXP that is uh, similar to what we were currently using, the LPC1768, um, is a ARM Cortex-M4 microprocessor. But the main difference being this one is has a, a lot more RAM. So the 1768 has ooh, 32 kilobytes of RAM, and the K64F has 256, which is significantly more. <laughs> and then also, you know, considering what we were used to use, so we used to use the Rabbit um, 2000, which has 512 kilobytes of RAM. So... So maybe switching to 32 upgrade. was signif- was you know a little too ambitious but the FK64 F or the F64K it's some of those letters um <laughs> I was I was genuinely impressed that you were just rattling them off uh the other one's no so- problem it it's I never know where the F and the K go if it's K mm-hmm then 64F, or if it's F, then 64. Looking at the notes, it is F64K. So there I go. wrote that note, so I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more easily remembered as the Freedom Board, because it's America. Freedom F64K. Anyway, mm. uh, the Freedom Board has 256K of RAM, which is quite a lot, and you know, we had a couple here to test with, and we were well below that limit with what we're trying to do on it. So seemingly that's going to be the right choice for us. The only little asterisk we have about that is they, uh, they don't really exist in the world at the moment. Ah, uh, that's not ideal. <laughs> There's... Uh, there's more coming in, I want to say it was like s- September or October, something like that, you know, mm. still before that, our, you know, late fall launch period where it's like, okay, this could still work, but, you know, f- pinning our whole control architecture around this thing that's hard to get is, makes us a little that's nervous a- at the moment. Yeah, it's a little tough to go headlong into that struggle. Right. Even though, like, this is, that's really the, that's the great, that's the right choice, I think, for us and what we want to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it would also be a bummer to, you know, to go the other way and just go, ah, you know what? We should just live with the embed we have and then just start hacking and slashing features. And losing <laughs> you features. know, that yeah. also, which is not what we want to do at not all. What we want to do with the other one it's like yeah you can't connect or you either have to lose the connection or lose the screen right lose the network connection or lose the screen and both of those are kind of uh you have to have you can either connect right? and then you won't know that it's connected because right. the screen will be off right. or There's no screen <laughs> or you can a have a screen that says but you can't control it or you can't control it from spike market uh, yeah so it's kind of like well neither of those options are going to work <laughs> in this application <laughs> but other than that like vnext development with the pmd chip is it's going awesome like yeah you're really gonna want this upgrade 
yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Like, cause you know, you've been, I haven't been very involved besides you posting up screenshots or calling me out of random <laughs> with asking my right. opinions. Um, right. Just cause it's, you know, it's you and a small cadre of folks up at the shop working on it. Uh, right. And it all just looks super exciting. Like, I'm like, Oh man, I can't wait to get back into the shop and check out some of the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, yeah. Every time you post some, something new thing, new I, and exciting, yeah. more and more exciting. Yeah. Speaking of other cool new things that we're working on developing, Harry, you're kicking back into gear on uh, four post lift design V2. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after kind of getting into the heat of it, I think Mike did a, lot, a couple couple episodes ago. Back uh, with the Steppenwolf lift, we've got another order for another one of these four post lifts, different different dimensions, different heights. But no, no problem. We can we can change the design uh, to suit your needs. For the people at home, real quick, four post lift being yeah 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 like a like a a, a structure a framed lift. Um, that in, in our case is game powered by four smart chain hoists. So you got a chain hoist on either all four corners, lifting a platform around a aluminum structure that we're, we're making. Um, and that so being the big selling point, it's four chain hoists. Four smart chain hoists that you can use for this lift or anything else you want to do with some VFD programmable chain hoists. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we gotta, we're going to make another one different different dimensions this time um this one whereas the first one we were changing the height so the posts on the corners uh had extensions that could make it one of two different trim heights um this one is keeping the same height for the posts but is uh wants two different uh platform configurations so changing the plan dimensions of the lift um so that's exciting new different challenges um but i think good details to develop for as this sort of kind of becomes the hopefully the new the lift option of the future i mean i say that but we keep selling floor pockets so why not two two lifts um for different needs different they Uh, serve different purposes they they do different sizes different applications for sure um yeah so so you know we're we're gonna bust out we're gonna do this refine the um design a bit from the last time we did it uh, we had a little bit of, of a sit down and talk through the sort of postmortem on the, the last lift and the things we wanted to improve uh, this time around um, to hopefully kind of start to standardize parts and pieces if we make more of these in the future. Um, so I think we kind of came away with a list of priorities uh, to work on for this one. So I've sh- sort of been advancing that work because before we kind of got this order in, we were just knowing that we were going to kind of refine this design anyways. So uh, trying to do some prototyping and R&D sort of stuff. Um, the first thing we started on was the biggest priority was the chain wheel, the chain pulleys, because um, what we found that those made the biggest impact on improving the motion um, after going away from the pocketed chain wheels was going to like these eight inch uh, machined uh, chain pulleys that uh, Cody came up with. So we were, we were saying, well, why not go bigger? Um, less, uh, more diameter probably equals less of that kind of chain slap and vibration. So we tried out some uh, 12 inch and 18 inch pulleys um, and kind of go into a different construction method. Whereas before we kind of had these stub shafts on either side and bearings pressed into housings, we were trying to make a more traditional like chain pulley. So um, 
we have a now we have a aluminum hub piece that has two bearings pressed in, kind of like you would with any other pulley. Um, and then the cheek plates bolt onto that hub member um, with a groove down the center for the vertical link. Um, so that's that construction seems to be working pretty good um, and allows us to sort of through this prototyping thing to to sort of cut different cheeks and play with the different diameters. Um, so right, because because originally we were using chain wheels, right? We started with we started with steel hardened steel chain wheels from uh, CM, like the same ones that they use in their right. uh, two ton double reeve, uh, like the hook blocks. Um, right. So if you have like right. a double reeve chain hoist, that's that's where we started with that part because we were like, oh well. We know it works with Seems the same perfect, right? chain, chain profile. Chain wheel, chain, yeah. 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 This is like and then, means... yeah, we had that constraint of like, cool, we're using those chain wheels and those have little stubs, so we'll put the bearings on the outside. So, like, yeah. Well, if we're going to make our own, we should make it like a pulley because we like pulleys. So. <laughs> and it simplifies the parts and pieces instead of having like exactly. this inversion that like puts these. It was, the, the, first, the first lift was just a lot of like, oh, well, we kind of got this constraint of this part, so we'll just make a block of aluminum to solve this constraint. Uh, was most was most of the design details I <laughs> I did, <laughs> um, but now with a much freer, less constraint of, um, you know, we, we can just make it what it, what it needs to be <laughs> and, and <laughs> simplify the fabrication. Let's do a lot more like bolting things together that come in the door ready to go, as opposed to machining billet into some shape that's really specific but oddly really functions more or less as a spacer um <laughs> so, so trying to get away from those details uh so there's like a yeah there's there's, there's a lot of things dovetailing here so like the manufacturability of these pulleys um, and i think that's like something we're, we're tr i'm trying to focus on at large for the whole lift too like um we had a lot of like god's uh, what I you know I designed and this is totally one of my favorite things is to take big aluminum angles and uh, machine the living hell out of them, um, but that is not something that our machine shop loves and and, and it has like practical <laughs> aside from the time that the labor that is involved in making these fancy angle brackets um, it's just not so that becomes uneconomical for that reason and then also like doesn't even really stay that perpendicular once you start to relief cut with all the stresses in those so they're like not really 90 degrees and then you're fighting tolerancing between all these stack ups of 90 degree parts that aren't quite so looking more at leaning on uh cnc cut and bent steel parts because um, they're pretty darn accurate or about as you know they're gonna be as accurate as a lot of these machine parts but they have the benefit of they are much cheaper in terms of material costs stronger and they come in the door done, and you just have to put bolts in the holes, and it's good to go. So, hoping, hoping to see some, yeah, some improvements just going to that with just uh, like pre-made parts that all, uh, all slap together. Hopefully, we'll still uh, do a lot of all the structure in-house and like machining the 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 aluminum beams and channels um, because I think that that worked out pretty well, and it's just like a great way to build structure really quickly. But um, yeah, trying to trying to simplify the parts um, this time around, and also you know we have the benefit on this one of a bit more time. Um, the last one was turned into a bit of a rush, just as those first art articles and custom projects always become, where you know commissioning takes longer than you anticipate, and there's more things you need to work on before you ship the thing. Uh, hopefully now we have the benefit of like this one's you know like a fall delivery, so 
attacking it early this summer or in the later portion of the summer, but hopefully with plenty of time to really prove out a lot of these details and and hopefully end up with a product that you know shipping something that's really close to what will be available as a product in the fall, hopefully. Right, and with that, with this more time, we've been able to. I say we because. Oh yeah. I uh, I included myself on a little bit of a little bit of this. No, no, I wrote, I wrote you to, in. Uh, we a little bit. Of, we've been able to test some of those uh, different wheel sizes. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, going back to the the prototyping, we were we had we made up these wheels, and then we were kind of trying to. What we wanted to do is test out going back to the motor up configuration, so the chain exiting the bottom of the the hoist on like a static mount, going through a pulley that's kind of like a floor block, redirecting it up and over a head block and to the platform, which is how we kind of started on the the Steppenwolf lift, but then ended up moving away from just because of the the motion woes we were getting from all the contact points and the small pitch diameters of the pulleys and all that vibration, you know, being bad. So less pulleys was good in that case. Um, but I think there's some real, uh, some real benefits to going back to that, that arrangement um, just in terms of like installing the thing and whatnot. So we were testing that out on the main beam, kind of like mocking up with the big wheels in that orientation down up and over. Um, and I wrote, I was, talking to christian and i was like hey how how like i think what we're fighting right now is vibration so like how would you do that measure yeah good so, versus bad so, so i got to uh i got to uh, implement so we were using so, so basically we're trying to te- uh determine is you know one better than the other and being better mean to us means less vibration so how do we detect vibration how do we quantify vibration and uh that means so uh thinking about it i was like well so that means we kind of want an accelerometer right um to tell us how much is it accelerating how much is it vibrating and turns out we actually had one laying around and uh, i got to throw together a little uh little test application on an arduino with uh with an accelerometer and we've been using that to uh, to test between the different size wheels. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool to see that data and just like talk to you and be like, "Oh yeah, I just need like an hour, and I can like code something to like take Throw all these measurements." <laughs> but then also like seeing the graphs, like we we do the you know I I put it all together, we yeah, put it on the thing, did a couple tests, and like oh, and you can clearly see what like, oh, and this is where the drive is accelerating up. And this is where it's accelerating down. Yeah. This is where it's stationary. Oh, right there is where the brake released. And like you can just, you know, looking at this graph of accelerations, you can see what it was physically doing and it all lines up. And I don't know. That's just kind of cool to see, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it was really great to instantly have this sort of like, okay, what is it, what am I seeing? And like, how could I quantify that in a way that's useful? I mean, I think, I think there's definitely still like some, in, in general, I was surprised and, not I guess terribly because like we always think of the challenges of the motion with the chain hoist, it, and, but then when you see this graph of the accelerations in both directions, you're like, oh, it is really jerking like crazy. Like, right. so like what is what is a good baseline is a little vague. Maybe that's still the thing the we're moment. still struggling like, with. Right? Like, what's good? We have a couple more tests to do before we know what that yeah. baseline is. But yeah, but yeah. we now have that data, so we're like, that's good. That's not good. That's nope. baseline. That's that's better right yeah 
having having some way to measure is the first step and now now we can define like what's what's good versus bad right because <laughs> kind of up until this point it's like you know and it's not like it's it's not bad at all right it's it's pretty good but you know looking at it, it's like yeah that looks pretty smooth which kind of for us right that's what the audience is doing they're looking at it <laughs> so right. it's like does that look good then it's good <laughs> but being able to put like real numbers to it, I think has been, uh, is helpful, is beneficial. Yeah. Cause so far the standard for the lift has been, well, okay, well, people get on it. So like, does it feel good? Right. And then, like, well, what, what feels good to you versus both you know subject? What? It's all subjective. Objective. Does it, it subjectively feel good? Does it subjectively look good? Good. You're right. And trying to cut, codify that and put numbers get, to it. So get like, some that's numbers. good. That's not good. That feels more like science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to be it's able to cool. have that data. It's cool. Yeah. 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 So more to come on that. But uh, yeah, it's it's exciting to kind of have a little time to, like Mike was, I think, saying earlier, like just to beat on, you know, some mechanical stuff and really like, all right, well, that's not doing exactly what I thought. What, what can we do next? So. Yeah, I guess I guess. uh with that there's some we're gonna delve into some other stories because uh the shop has been oh boy the shop is going yeah on. i feel like Kristen, you've been been knee deep in some of this a shop stuff bit, a little bit uh you know we've been uh so we, we got a bunch of new people we'll talk about momentarily mm-hmm. but we've also been trying to just improve our process improve our workflow and all of that so we've done been doing a bunch of uh shop rearranging you know so our yeah. electronic shop get a better workflow our hardware get a better workflow all of that but uh <laughs> most importantly i would say uh so we we print a lot of labels of varying kinds for a very for a bunch of different things right like cereals on stagehands um box labels um c4 parameters you know all sorts of different labels and um up until I don't know a week ago, that's always you had to go to a specific computer to be able to print those labels. And last week we we bought a bunch of label printers, which doesn't sound exciting to anybody other than us. I'm I'm sure, but we bought a bunch of label printers, and now anybody from any computer can print to those labelers on Wi-Fi. Right. Exactly. Because after some configuration, one after about a day's of configuration, anybody can print to these four labelers, which have the four different label tapes in them. And they're and they're divvied up by size of tape or style of tape now or style of tape. Yeah. So there is a point four seven inch clear on white, so clear tape, white print. There is a 0.7 inch tape, which that's the one at the moment that's a little nebulous because you have to switch that one out, whether it's clear on white, so like white text, clear background, or white background, black text. And then there's a 1.4 inch black on white, so black text, white background. Because those are our three, four labels that we use on everything. I do appreciate that you said you were only partially involved in this, but you have memorized all the tapes in each of the labelers. That is impressive. I mean, I may have spent a day 
two days, three days. Let's not get into it <laughs> on uh, setting them setting them up for some people. <laughs> uh, I yeah. I I put this on our list of things to talk about purely because I am, haven't been to the shop uh, for the past month or so. And <laughs> like, I swear, and, like in, I don't know, four or five different people's like end of day posts, just like continuing work on printer on label printers. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's like, been a drastic change. It's been a drastic change. <laughs> well, and then like, I think for, for parts- the better, it sounds for the better. But I think it is for the better, but it, it has been a real change. It's and you guys got yeah. a whole bunch of new printers and then a new label printers, and then like the next day one of them shit the bed, right? One of the old ones that <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, uh, so Oh, oh you think everything ground replace me? <laughs> so we have those basic like three types, three sizes that we use for everything. And so one of we had our old one that was also networkable that we used to use. Uh, we tried to bring into this new crazy multi-labeler scheme that we had, but uh, after like day two, it was like, yeah, no, fuck that, and uh, it died. <laughs> I'd rather die than be part of the multi-printer verse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we had to we had to get it, get it, and it's not like they're expensive or anything, but it's. We had to get another one, and then it took a you know another two, three, four days for everybody to get it all set up, and it's it's like a whole thing. And so after we you got the you know the shrine for all the Brady labels, then you had to rearrange the electric shop well, around it. Yep. So well, and that's also the other thing too is like so there's so it's actually two shrines, right? So we have the P Touch Brother label shrine, shrine, and then the Brady label shrine. Because we have two different labelers. Like we have the P Touch ones that we put on machines, but then we have the Brady, which we put on our all of our cables and all of our wires. And that's a right. different shrine using different things. So we have two. <laughs> Make sure you pray to the right one to get your label. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to end up with the wrong label. Uh... Oh, and that being the other thing too, speaking of wrong label. If you try and print like a, a normal like eight and a half by eleven or eleven by seventeen or I don't know something else crazy to one of the label printers because you're not paying attention, it just fucks it for everybody else because the printer goes into like this air state, and until you walk up to the printer to like reset it, you just can't print to it. <laughs> I love that. I love that it it the. It doesn't go like, hey, file not accepted. It's just like, yeah, no, I'll give it a go. Print, and the like, yeah, no, that's not for me. And, and then it's just an But it doesn't let the computer know. Like, no, and then the printer is just in an air, and you have to go and physically reset it to get it to print a label. I love it. Yeah. That's great. So pick the right printer. That's key. So, so I don't know. The other day when I was setting them up, I, I was going around to like everybody's computers and I was renaming all the printers. So you would make sure you picked the right printer. So, you now have new Rico, which is our 11 by 17 printer. You have Brian's printer, which is the printer in the machine shop. You have Gareth's printer, which is the double sided HP, uh, eight and a half by 11 in the, in the office here. You have the plotter, which is 
the plotter. You have the um, 0.47 label printer. You have the 0.7 label printer. You have the 1.4 label printer. And it's really important you pick the right one, depending on what you're trying to print. Kristen, um, you're doing the Lord's work over here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be so stressed when I go up to the shop with my laptop <laughs> and I just go to like print a drawing. <laughs> I'm gonna plot go into crazy. I'm gonna start plotting to the labeler. <laughs> Someone's got to be the first. Uh, no shot that I don't. I mean, <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely gonna happen. Yeah. So we have a lot of labelers now. That's the moral of that story. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And along with a lot of labelers, we also now have a bunch of new people. What a wild order of op- uh, <laughs> order that we put this list in. <laughs> We're clearly gear folk and not people folk. <laughs> Let's talk about all the new stuff. And then also humans, I guess. <laughs> Who I'm sure are all lovely. Yeah, no. So we have we we have a bunch of new people. We have Kate, who is returning to us as a uh controls technician. So she's She's building those stagehands, those showstoppers that you're getting. We have uh, uh, Tim, who is out on the West Coast, because we have a West Coast office that we do rentals out of. So he's our West Coast rentals office manager. Um, Lucas, who is a new mechanical automation technician. So he's building machines. We have a couple of summer people who are helping us out, building cable, helping with some V-neck stuff. Right, you obviously have Emma and Nate. Those those are our summer helps. We we know their names. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's seems it seems busy. Like the morning meetings, uh it's a lot of people. Like, oh wow, look at all these people. Yeah. It's been live in the shop. It's been good to, you know, feel back at like, you know, twenty nineteen numbers of folks. And activity level. Like there's lots going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot more what do I do next? Um which thankfully doesn't fall on my plate very frequently, but uh, I hear it. And that's always, you know, it's good good to hear. Well, and that's the other thing too, sir. but there is also just a lot of next. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And the Which pace has been, good. the pace has been picking up both, you know, getting some parts in the door, but also I think it's just like many hands make light work, which has been sweet. Yeah. We've been shipping so many orders on time with all this added firepower, no longer like, Oh, we all feel stretched very, very thin, or a little less of that. <laughs> right. Right. Also related to new. So Cody, you got a couple new things, right? Didn't you? Oh, I did buy. Uh, yes. So, uh, in the recurring bit of what might I buy? Uh, <laughs> I've been talking about buying a brand, a new graphics card. Uh, from when the thirty eighty was new and then the 3080 ti came out and i was like oh maybe that's the hotness and so i'm pleased to finally say that i did not buy a graphics card i bought (laughs) (laughs) a new cpu uh instead what'd you get uh so i got a new i9 uh 12th gen um and so what came along with that was because of the new uh, 12th gen Intel stuff has a different pinout. Shampoo? Not uh, the shampoo. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> well, there's a new pinout, so I need a new motherboard to go with the processor. Oh, okay. Board, so motherboard. Mother- that was, got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to get a motherboard. And then also along that same line is I currently have like a seventh gen i7 in my, what I had in my PC. Okay. And so it had like a single, like all in one cooler for it. And so, like, mm. you know, tri- tripling mm. the cores of that I currently have. New was cooler like, I probably, was needed. It, new cooler was also needed um but going to your the shampoo i forgot about that uh, <laughs> i just remember that i needed you posted that what you do today and there was shampoo in that so i uh i needed new shampoo and so shampoo was sitting in my amazon cart and i had like needed it for a while <laughs> uh but i kept opening my amazon cart and there was like a just a myriad of different motherboards and cpus and like just all uh-huh. sorts of computer parts in it it was mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. I-, I could have just ordered the shampoo outright because it's easy it's whatever there's uh-huh. it's prime there's no extra shipping <laughs> it's, it's just whatever but every time i did i opened amazon i would be convinced that this would be the moment that i would figure it out and mm-hmm. i would just Getting pull the, the trigger CPU. on it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so just crippled with indecision on which is the actual right one to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So that when I pulled, finally pulled the trigger, it was motherboard, CPU, cooler, shampoo, conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> All in one, one box shipped straight to you. Um, That's pretty. Yeah, great. that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... the other thing you were worried about too, though, was the because you got the new cooler was the cooler adapter, right? For the oh for that, the mounting. Yeah. Yes, I did have to special order since the new twelfth gen spacing is different. The standoff heights are different, and so like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got a Corsair H uh, one fifteen or H one fifty. I forget which. What's the um. Mm-hmm. Sure. three fans like okay uh oh, 360 like millimeter radiator yeah like thing um uh, but on the other side where it attaches to the cpu like it needs a special standoff depending on what your um mm. cpu is mm-hmm. and since the new 12th gens had just came out so recently like all of the old packaged um radiators will fit but like they just say hey you need these extra adapter kit um mm-hmm. and so i like ordered straight from corsair i was like oh sweet i'll just get it straight from them instead of going to amazon because the same price and like the amazon options for the standoffs like they didn't have the like specific standoffs okay because um, mm-hmm. they're a weird size too right like you can just oh yeah them they're like m two and a half but they're like 37 millimeter tall standoff so it's like Mm -hmm. male threads poking out on both sides but a 37 mil (laughs) space or something no it's it's totally 17 or something it's it's weird weird. it's very weird yeah um very specific uh so i ordered that special and so like my scheduled delivery was like i don't know friday was supposed whatever it was like last friday was like on friday i'm supposed to get uh CPU, motherboard, shampoo conditioner, 
uh, <laughs> and Radiator all on the same day. But the, for whatever reason, the standoffs Racism. came from like Georgia, USPS, like and did oh. not. <laughs> so I had all of the major components and I couldn't build it. Uh, but it turns out that I opened the box and for whatever reason, they did also there. even though in big bold letters it says like does not include lga 1700 bracket like or you know adapter kit yeah uh, it it did it did so they i was able to build it on the first day um <laughs> but uh yeah it was cool i mean i hadn't i built this computer i don't know many years ago four or five years ago now um and hadn't really done anything with it like i added ram a couple years ago but that's really straightforward and like hadn't mm-hmm. really touched it at all and i was like oh yeah i gotta swap the cooler and the motherboard and the cpu which like when you get down to it is oh, like yeah mm-hmm. pretty much everything like, right. like i gotta but take the did, graphics card out didn't you also run into other weird problems too with like booting it or something oh yeah i did i did because it's the new 12th gen and so they're expecting you to be trying to load up like windows 11 mm-hmm. and all the yeah. new new yep um mm-hmm. but since i was using my old ssds and since my old oh, processor right. wasn't right. windows 11 compatible it was all formatted for windows 11 or windows 10 and all of its booting and all of its uh like hardware uh, all the hard drive configurations mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i it was like three or four different problems all at once but like so essentially it wouldn't recognize my hard drives as bootable drives mm-hmm. um but it could see them and yeah. it could see their read speeds and it could access their data like whatever like it'd see how full they were but like just for whatever reason it wasn't recognizing it so i had to like do a bunch of nonsense to like disable secure boot by like deleting a bunch of key you know <laughs> keys and then uh-huh. yeah, you know enabling legacy boot so that i could boot it back to windows 10 and, and so yeah. now it runs but now like i was like oh i guess i could upgrade to 11 except for now my <laughs> computer constantly gets mad at me and says like not eligible for uh windows 11 because you don't have secure boot enabled and, and I'm then like, also on top yeah. of that too right doing it all on your phone right because <laughs> yeah because so you had to google all that on your phone figure that out yeah 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 and my girlfriend was like do you want to play some games i'm like i'm i literally bricked my own computer in my own <laughs> stupidity trying to i've got i've got too close to the sun i've <laughs> i'm not intended to have nice things everything is bad uh and then it all ended up being fine but i think it that's i don't know I've only built a couple computers, but every single time it's, it's something like it's always a process. It doesn't just ever work. No, I was so confident when it just booted on immediately. Cause the, the first time I made this computer before the first time, mm-hmm. uh, I had a friend help me and he wired one of the pins backwards on, uh, the power button. No, okay. no it wasn't the power button. It was on. It was on something stupid, like one of the IOs uh-huh. to the case okay. or something, and uh-huh. just it would not turn on, and like <laughs> it was just the most frustrating, sad thing. Uh, so when it immediately like booted up, the fans all turned on, the you know everything all looked good. Feeling good about that. Yeah, it's got some. It's got some RGB. I got. I went for the RGB mm-hmm. mode, nice, you know, nice. on the fans. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. 
was like, oh, it works. This is awesome. And then like got through like the second screen of the BIOS setup and it was like, fuck. <laughs> Three hours later, I finally got it to actually boot Windows. But um, it is awesome though. I mean, the new i9, like going from 7th gen i7 to 12th gen i9, like is badass. Like it's got way it's way faster and it's got i think my last was i had six cores now i have 18 cores like it's just it's it's nutty good big job uh, yeah and i did i just did all the renderings for the pivot and uh fusion uses purely cpu um okay rendering. for rendering like since because they do a lot of cloud rendering so they'll send it out to like data farms instead of like needing those mm, gotcha um farmed computers to have good graphics cards they just do it all by like chaining um cpus nice okay which uh, i guess makes sense for that application maybe yeah yeah i guess uh it's i mean if you go on the forums for fusion it's a uh, commonly uh complained about f- commonly felt complaint um but the renders that you do on local you can like turn the knob up to 11 on quality because they don't let you send out for like the final quality on uh, their cloud render so i've been doing them all locally and um it's pretty badass like i was able to do the renderings in like half the time and do other things at the same time because like it would only max my cpu out at like 30 40 percent that's pretty Um, significant yeah awesome there's some weirdness there because the new 12 gens have like a uh, efficiency cores and performance cores. And so it like shoves over everything onto the performance cores for okay. the, doing all the rendering. So in mm-hmm. theory, like all the performance cores are just like maxing out and then you should be able to like, you know, check your email and do some other things with just to occupy other parts of the computer. Right. Um, but nothing's quite optimized for that. <laughs> so sure, it's sure. still yeah uh, well, but even that you know half of my computer uh, half of my new cpu was dramatically better than my old one so yeah it's pretty awesome and then yeah, harry i mean related unrelated and not in the notes so exciting but harry you also got a new computer too right but you also can't use your second monitor oh yeah isn't that a there was some, yeah, there's, <laughs> I mean, if for Fusion, yeah, 360, for some reason, it, uh, I spent like, what, some stupid amount of time, like two thirds of a day trying to figure out why, for the love of God, uh, Fusion wouldn't, uh, like boot on my computer, um, and did like all this troubleshooting off, like all these forums, like people, there's a lot of people who had very similar issues and I was like, oh, great. Then I'll just work through the troubleshooting steps that all these people tried. Nothing making any uh like progress including like you know uninstalling and reinstalling in various clean states like 10 different ways uh and then ultimately it was just like oh it can't boot on the second screen because my graphics card has some weird driver issue with the second monitor Mm, okay that's what it was yeah graphics driver which i still like have to i can like boot it on one screen and then turn on the second one um although honestly i've just been because of like other lighting issues have just been mostly rocking the one screen but because yeah. <laughs> because you also have an i9 right 
Which I do. Cody just and Cody, you have multiple monitors, right? I have three, correct? Yeah. You have no issue with booting. You have fusion no fusion issue. issue, right? No, I have it open right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it might be use. There's some. There's some like Dell. The Dell specific applications oh, in the background oh, that might be causing shenanigans too. Because it's the. What is it? The Alienware control center or the Dell control center or something? Like if you have that installed, Spike Mark doesn't work. Right, right. That was a whole day worth of troubleshooting yeah. on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Does it have a Dell graphics card as well? I think it does. Because they I have like their own thirty eighties and thirty nineties yeah. and stuff. They have their own OEM. Cause I have heard woes about those oem cards from dell graphics cards specifically um as it relates to like gaming and stuff but <laughs> i had to chase down a problem with my surface and autocad just like showing the bottom third of my screen was like grayed out and it was because my surface was trying to be smart and do energy efficient things and use the onboard graphics as opposed to oh. the as opposed to the fancy graphics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like then I learned that several of my challenges with like, you know, graphics intensive programs were all due to the my fucking computer being like, no, 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 you want to do this. I know you're plugged in, but we're gonna save the battery. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I had yeah, I had when I first got my laptop, I had to do the same thing. I like I just went in and I was like, "Dear God, never use integrated graphics. I don't care." Like for kill no uncertain terms, should you ever yeah, kill the battery. I'll find somewhere to plug it in. Cuz it would just it would just be kind of crazy cuz it would try to swap between, you know, if like I unplugged and plugged like yeah, and it never works. Especially like on a train or something. Yeah, it would just break. It's things. a nice idea, but in yeah, reality, in practice, just kill the battery. No, especially with AutoCAD, it gets really grumpy because I would like have something open and like working on it on the train or something up to the shop and then like be able to plug it in. And then I'd unplug it and like pack up my charger, but still keep working. And it would just be like, and just like die <laughs> and just not work. <laughs> yeah, die. And then like brick AutoCAD and crash and then be like, when was my last backup? You're like before the train ride. Right. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> all gone cool i think that's i think that's it for this time uh thanks thanks for listening everybody uh we'll, we'll catch you on the next one